Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. I have a friend named Bill Dwyer, and Bill is a pretty good illustration of the lessons that we've just heard from the Bible. Bill was a good guy, but he also could be a little inappropriate, and especially when it came to the Boston Red Sox, of which he was a huge fan. Now, you may remember that back in 2004, the Boston Red Sox won the World Series for the first time in 86 years. One of the heroes was a fellow named Johnny Damon, who was a center fielder for the Red Sox. But then, on December 20, 2005, Johnny Damon was traded to the New York Yankees. Four days later, on December 24, my friend Bill Dwyer was standing at the back of my church up in Massachusetts at 11 p.m. waiting for the Christmas Eve service to begin. Standing right beside him was another priest who was a huge fan of the New York Yankees. And that priest leaned over to Bill and whispered, we've got Johnny Damon. And as the opening strains of O Come All Ye Faithful filled the sanctuary, Bill whispered back, I hope he pulls a groin muscle. So here's the thing about Bill Dwyer. He could be a little inappropriate. He served in small churches for most of his career. He was one of the top ten worst preachers I have ever heard. And on the surface... I thought that his ministry really never seemed to have much of an impact. I'm going to close this sermon in a couple of minutes by telling you how wrong I was. But just for the moment, I want to say that Bill Dwyer stands as a good example of what Paul was talking about uh, in the passage from Corinthians when he said, God has chosen what the world calls foolish to shame the wise. God has chosen what the world calls weak to shame the strong. When's the last time you heard our culture promoting fools and weaklings and bad preachers? Next Sunday, one 30-second ad on television during the Super Bowl is going to cost $5 million. That is $167,000 per second. And there will not be many Bud Light ads during the game that are talking about and promoting weaklings. And that's nothing compared to the passage that Ben just read to us. Um, It's the very first sermon Jesus ever preached And he starts off in his opening words by saying, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Or as it says in a contemporary translation, Blessed are you when you're at the end of your rope. From our culture's point of view, that makes about as much sense as wanting to listen to a bad sermon. What's so blessed about being at the end of your rope? What's so great about being poor? But then I remember that Jesus is not talking about cash when he says, uh, talks about being poor. 
He's talking about my spirit. And I think he's saying something like this. Blessed are you, Jim, when you have been through enough in life to learn that you just can't make it on your own. Blessed are you, Jim, when you have been broken enough to acknowledge your lack of control over just about everything. Blessed are you, Jim, when you've suffered the failure of your earthly resources and have begun to be a little bit free to lean on the resources of your God. Now that's not a word that you and I are going to hear next Sunday in a Super Bowl ad. But it is a word that I heard when I read a novel called The Last Year of the War. And in this novel, there is a church service at a Christian college. And in the sermon at that service, the preacher says that he's been hearing something on the campus about the victorious Christian life, or the life that wins. And he says in that sermon that he's all for it, but he would prefer to call it the life that loses. And here's what he said. As I get the picture, the life that wins is a shining life in which we're endowed with unquenchable joy and a new strength of character. We want to be serene in the face of adversity, steady in faith, free from the tyranny of self. We want to be like Christ. But, he says, if you ask for the eyes of Christ, you may be horrified at what you see. If you ask for the heart of Christ, yours may be broken. Touching broken lives means to be touched back by the world's misery. The healer risks infection. And so to be a Christian, said the preacher, means to live on the edge of a cliff, shocked and dismayed at our weakness. And only God can keep us safe on that wild frontier. If we understand that, said the preacher, when we talk about the life that wins, well, then we're ready for business. Or, as St. Paul puts it in the second reading, we're ready for business when we boast of our weakness. What our culture rejects in ourselves as weakness is exactly what God chooses in order that grace may flow. Or as our countercultural Jesus puts it, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. There's another statement that Jesus says in this first sermon that's the same thing, pointing to this countercultural good news. It's the place where Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. The word for mercy in Hebrew is chesed. And literally, Chesed describes the act of getting right inside somebody else's skin. So when Jesus says, blessed are the Chesed, he means blessed are those who so identify so deeply that they actually experience what the other person is going through. The supreme act of Chesed is God showing up in the person of Jesus. God getting right inside our skin, seeing life through our eyes, feeling the pain that we feel, 
identifying with the needs that we brought into this church this morning in the person of Jesus. So, blessed is a seminarian I've been reading about. The author describes this seminarian this way. This seminarian student traveled to Singapore to work in a hospital as part of her training. And in the extended care unit, she found a middle-aged, well-educated man embittered because of paralysis. She tried to talk and pray with him, but he would simply turn away and wheel himself away. One day, she found him lying in the sun, as the nurses were hoping the sun would heal some of his sores. They are barbecuing me, he fumed. And impulsively, she lay down next to him and just stayed there, saying nothing for a long time, as her body began to drip with sweat. And after a long silence, he asked her, Why are you lying here in the sun? Well, she replied, I just wanted to see what things look like from your viewpoint. And his face twitched, and little by little, he began to pour out his grief. I'm so thankful for all of the chess-ed people who are members of Calvary St. George's Church. They tend to be the ones that our culture doesn't see. They tend to be the ones that our culture says aren't very important. But they're the ones who really know us with their under-the-skin love and who become the hands of Jesus for you and me. Then finally, Jesus says one more thing that's the same thing. He says, blessed are those who mourn. Or as the preacher at the Christian college puts it, blessed is the life that loses. How's this true? From the point of view of our countercultural God? Let me just read the end of the sermon of that preacher at the Christian college. He said this, Do I mean that we should give ourselves to a life of sorrow and sackcloth, or that you should not be lighthearted and young? Of course not. Christ said, My joy I give you. What we have then, said the preacher, is a flat contradiction as dying, and behold, we live as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having absolutely nothing, and yet possessing everything. That's the life that loses, said the preacher. And how can I tell when I've got it, when I'm filled with this new life? I don't think we'll even ask or give it much thought. We won't say, I've got it. We will only know that we are loved under the skin and that out there at the end of our rope, there's solid ground. And in closing, that is exactly what Bill Dwyer knew. I'm humbled to have to tell you that a number of people have told me over the years that through Bill's rambling and disorganized sermons, they heard Jesus speaking powerfully to their hearts. But here's the thing. Here's the solid ground on which Bill was standing. 
Two years ago, I visited Bill in the hospital just a couple of days before he died. He was aware that the end was approaching, and I asked him how he was with that eventuality. And he told me that earlier that day, he had thanked his wife for loving him so well all the years of their marriage. And then he said, I'm resting on the wonderful exchange that the Lord has made. I asked him what he meant, and he said, I'm resting on the exchange on the cross from condemnation to forgiveness. I'm resting on the exchange on the cross from judgment to mercy. Whatever you and I have brought into this church this morning, Jesus invites us to the solid ground of resting on the wonderful exchange from judgment to mercy. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.